Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast from San Jacinto Assembly of God in Amarillo, Texas. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit us online at www.sjag.church. Now here's this week's message. Jesus. Thank you for loving Jesus. He's good. He's worthy. Watching the um whew, there I am. Uh watching those this the that reel of missionaries that this church invests in and supports is so encouraging. So like I just know the Lord delights in that. When we invest in what he cares about. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Um, thank you all for having me. Thank you, Pastor Billy. This is awesome. I love when he told me, he's like, well, we're working on the sanctuary, so we'll be in the gym. I was like, all right. This is kind of more of my style anyway. Didn't grow up in the church or anything like that, and so this is, a, this is comfortable for me. I like it here. And it was fun you just mentioned that if you're trying to give online, you probably don't have service. And we walked in, and not only did I not have service or like 3G or 4G, but it says SOS. <laughs> Does anyone else have that? Does your phone say SOS? I just learned a couple months ago, do you know the origin of that? Like, it's a distress signal that literally means save our souls. I didn't know that. Yeah, literally it means save our souls. I was just like, how appropriate for a missions-driven church that you, Miss Lou, just talked about. Like, this is about missions, this is what we're about. And I come in here and I'm like, oh, I'm going to text somebody or look up this thing that we were just talking about. I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. That's right. (laughs) This is what we're about, right? Saving souls, seeing God save people's souls, and we get to be part of it. Um, whenever I hear really fire quotes, I write them down. And uh, Pastor Billy, you said it, man. You said, if you know the heartbeat of God, it's missions. And you are part of that mission. That's what I want to encourage you with today. I work with Chi Alpha full-time as a missionary. I've been doing this about 10 years now. We've been at Texas Tech Chi Alpha for about seven and I'm a product of Chi Alpha. I did not grow up in the church. We went on Christmas and Easter because this is America, and that's just kind of what you do, right? But Jesus, really religious words in general, the only meaning they had in my house were as cuss words, and that was it. We had no real walk with Jesus, never talked about him, never prayed, nothing. And death and divorce just kind of all throughout my family. And so when I got to college, I got there as an atheist, But thank you, Jesus. I arrived as an atheist and came out as a missionary. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Lord. And a major part of that is because Kyle was there. And as has been stated a couple times today, missionaries within the assemblies were supported by churches, individuals, families, businesses, all sorts, so that this mission can go out. And I was met by a young man in Kyle who was my age. I was 19 years old and knew everything there was to know about everything because I was 19, and that's where you're at when you're 19, right? You know everything, and um, I was just very bitter. And the little bit that I thought I knew about God, um, I didn't like. The first ever small group meeting I went to, we went around in a circle, and everyone's kind of sharing their testimony, and most of the guys were Christians at that point, and they got to me, and I was like, well, I'm going to shoot you straight. And so I was like, God's not real. If he is real, he obviously hates me. And people who believe in God say they believe in God just to help them sleep at night. And that's where I was at. And I was like, 
like we guys do. I said something like that and like crossed my arms. I'm like, what's up, bro? Like, <laughs> what you going to do about it, you know? And I'm 19 and know everything, so I know he's going to tell me, you're going to hell, get out of here, blah, blah, blah. And he let me share all that with him, and he was just like, man, thank you for coming. I'm really glad you're here. And he moved to the next guy. And I was like a little mad because I was wanting to fight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm purposely poking that bear, like bring it on, man. And he just met me with love and grace and I think just saw right through me. And the Lord used that to soften my heart big time. And later that afternoon or evening, laying in bed, just reasoning with myself, really with the Lord, but didn't know it at the time. And just realizing, like, wow, I'm, I, don't, I don't really make a lot of sense. Like, this guy loves me, and he's really kind, and I'm a jerk, and then he's still really kind to me, and I'm mad at him now. Like, who's the, who's the sane person here? Obviously, it wasn't me. And that was the first time in my life I was really humbled. And so the next day, I go and apologize to him, and he gets me a Bible teaches me how to pray. We're talking about worship. I've got a million questions about everything because I don't know basically anything about the Bible, about truth. And it was through my relationship with my small group leader who was just a year older than me, not trained up, you know, a formal degree in ministry, nothing like that. Um, He was very different from me. And it was kind of strange for me to be friends with him at first. But he had heaven in his eyes when he spoke. And he had real peace. And he had real joy. And I saw things in him that I was kind of like, ah, that's weird. But the stuff that mattered, I saw that in him. And I wanted it. And so slowly, he just discipled me. A disciple is a disciplined learner of Jesus. Someone who's following Jesus constantly, consistently, persistently following Jesus. And that's what he was showing me how to do even before I was following Jesus, which is so cool. We tend to think of evangelism as just like, here's this news, now just believe the news. But really, it's here's this news, and what it means for you is that you're going to now follow Jesus. And so it's not simply just evangelism, and then it's discipleship, but they really, it's pretty like blurred lines. That's how it happened for me, and that's how we've seen it happen within Chi Alpha. It's really blurred lines. You're showing someone, you're helping them count the cost of what it means to walk with Jesus, because that's what it is to count the cost of something, right? You count the cost before you do something. So we're meeting these students on campus like I was met, and they're not walking with Jesus. And in showing them who Jesus is, we're also showing them, hey, this is what a life with Jesus looks like. Does that make sense? As you're living it out, as you're walking it out, you'll really get to count the cost of what it looks like. And one of the most valuable things I've learned in my whole life And if you walk away, if you only hear me say one thing this whole day, I hope that it's this, that what God does in you, He wants to do through you. Whatever it is, whatever He does in you, He wants to do it through you. I work with Chi Alpha, and our name is a fun one. We often get like, oh, you're that Christian frat, sorority, church thing. We get questions from people, get called Chi Alpha, and all sorts of strange names, um, and it is from the Greek. And 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul says this. And so Paul's writing to the church, and so this is just a name we go by, but this is to all of us. So when he says we, he means we, all right? This is what he says. We are Christ's ambassadors. 
as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is who we are. We are ambassadors for Christ, right? And I think this is so cool because lately with kind of the YouTube revolution and how marketing and advertising and everything has taken shape within the last decade, ambassador wasn't a word used super commonly within culture, but now ambassador is being used a whole lot more, like a brand ambassador. So if anyone has like a big following, whether it's in person or online or whatever, they're often now, so like in the same way you would pay someone to be in a commercial back in the day, now the common thing is you just pay someone in real life to like, hey, wear our product, eat our food, drink our beverage, whatever, and advertise that way. There's a lot of power in being an ambassador for a brand, right? And this is why Paul says, we are not ambassadors for a brand. We are ambassadors for Jesus. We are always representing, we are always pointing to what we find most valuable in our life. And he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. And we do what he did. We implore you on his behalf, right? We don't implore you on behalf of the Assemblies of God. I would implore you on the behalf of my ministry. I would implore you on behalf of how much giving we could have, how cool of a building we could have. None of that stuff, right? I implore you on his behalf. Be reconciled back to Jesus. That's what we get to do. A few verses right before this one, he says, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. How cool is that? Isn't that like some of the most joyful memories you have in your entire life? If you've reconciled with maybe a parent or a sibling or a child or a friend, a, a beautiful, intimate relationship that once was, and the sting that comes when it separates. You know what God says? Paul is saying to us, we are the ones who get to bring it back together. Isn't that amazing? Oh my goodness, man. Talk about our walk with Jesus being like burdensome and hard and like, tough, and I'm like, man, the ministry we've been given is we get to reconcile people back to God, Lord Jesus, and when you're reconciled back to God, you now can be reconciled back to people, right? You are now trustworthy enough to not love someone and damage them, because if you don't love Jesus, I don't think you can love someone without damaging them, because your love is not pure, your love is not sanctified and holy the way God loves, and when we love things, we make a mess of them. Right? You've seen that in your own life. When I love things in my power, the way I want to love things, it's not so good, man. I've got four kids, and when I discipline them the way I want to discipline them, it just doesn't go well. You know what I'm saying? I've been married almost 10 years. When I, when I talk the way I want to talk and live the way I want to live, it's just crazy. It just never seems to go well. You know what I'm saying? But Jesus' way. And so we are his ambassadors. Thank you, God. And really this summarizes into two things, that we represent Jesus rightly and that we reconcile people back to him. Y'all are aware of this? You live in the same world I live in. Rarely do you come across somebody that has a major issue with Jesus Christ himself, as in like the character of Jesus Christ himself. You read about this man's life and you are just blown away the strength, the beauty, the winsomeness, the power, the passion, the grace, the forgiveness, how he encompassed all of those things in one, it's just incredible, right? It's just the most amazing figure in history. But what they have a problem with are Christians, right? Gandhi famously said it. He said, I love your Christ, 
but not your Christians. What Gandhi was saying is you have been poor ambassadors. The church has not been representatives of Jesus. The church has not looked like Jesus. Jesus opposed many people. He was extremely offensive to people. But even those who hated him wanted to be around him. You ever see that? Even the Pharisees couldn't stand him. He's calling them names. And they're like, hey, can we have dinner one night? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? He'd be like, the wonder and beauty, majesty of Jesus. Even his enemies are like, hey, let's have dinner. Like, wow, that's, he's just, he's the best. So that's what we get to do, represent him well, and then we get to reconcile people back to him. That sounds like a fun life. It's the best life. Thank you, King Jesus. And what's cool is that, like, there is no plan B. Lord, like, right? Reading the Gospels is so encouraging. Because these guys were not, yeah, the PhDs, these, like, amazing guys of the day. But this was Christ's plan to reach the world. We're not all called to be mega evangelists. Praise God, anybody? Especially introverts? You grateful for that? I'm grateful for that. God knew what he was doing. God knew what he was doing, and he knows what he's doing, employing you and I to be the ones to go and reach the world. Because this can be replicated by anyone and everyone, no matter what your job, no matter what your status, no matter what your personality, your giftings, your ability, anything. This can be replicated by all of us. And here's how the numbers work out. We've got a faithful discipler person who's going to go out and make five friends every year, show them Jesus, show them how to make more disciples, and every year those five, those five, and that person are each going to reach five, going to reach five, going to reach five. If you're familiar with compounding interest, the banks did not invent that. God invented compounding interest. Here it is. He is smart. He knows math. And we over here, we've got super evangelists. This guy sings like an angel. His preaching is the best. He's got the Bible memorized. He knows it. Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, frontwards, backwards. He's got a team that's amazing. He's got every gift you'd ever want. This guy is just the man. And he's got people following him. He's got an amazing team. And in his ministry, 1,000 people get saved Every day? That's not right. Every day. Yeah, yeah, every day. 1,000 people get saved every day in this man's ministry. Billy, you, you ever had a day like that? Oliver? Okay, me either. Not even close. Not even sniffing that, right? Never seen that happen. This man has it happen every single day. Pretty amazing, right? Praise God. And it's real. I'm not saying this is like fake stuff. People are really getting converted, saved, everything. That's sweet, right? Praise God. Does anyone in here feel like that's what they're called to do? Okay, I was going to say, let's talk. Because I got questions for you. Over here, we got the faithful disciples. So here it is, their first five years of ministry. The super evangelist, he's reached 1.825 million people after five years. That's a lot of good newsletters this guy can send out. You know what I'm saying? They get mission support for him would be pretty easy. Right? My goodness. 1.8, almost 2 million people. Faithful discipler is looking pretty puny next to him, right? 3905, that's great, but it's like, man, shouldn't we do it the way we've always thought to do it? The guy who's real charismatic and real gifted, he, he needs to be the one, and he's the face of everything. 
That's kind of how we've done it within America, right? We take the handful that are just super gifted or whatever word you want to use. Charismatic, I guess, is the word I'll use. Uh, <laughs> and we elevate them as if they have a different Bible or a different Holy Spirit or a different blood of Jesus that cleansed them from sin or, or whatever. But they don't, right? That's good news. They don't. You have no, none of those things are any different if you're really walking with Jesus. But now we go to the next slide. Shows us here 6 through 10. And this is that compounding effect. This is what happens. Because if five are really going after five, this is what happens. And so, this is good. Thank you, Jesus, that this was his model. But really, this whole chart doesn't mean a whole lot until we know how long it will take to reach the entire world. Because Jesus is not worthy of 12 million or 2 million or 3 million. He's worthy of every single soul. Yes? And so, getting these out to their end, the super evangelist, as amazing as he is, it would take him over 20,000 years before he reaches the known world. Isn't that crazy? 20,000 years of this guy's ministry. And think about it. If we heard about this guy, this guy came to you and was like, oh, I need some mission support. Let me show you what my first year of ministries look like. 365,000 people, and it's legit. That's the thing. I'm not saying these are shallow converts. This is legit people really doing it. But if it's only through this one guy, what happens if he dies? Which, if he's got 365,000 people in a year, he probably will. My goodness. Can you imagine keeping up with that? Building that ministry, that church, that building? My goodness. The stress and the... You've got all these people looking to you to be the one, right? Anyone in here got 365,000 friends? Relationships they keep up with? Right? No way, right? Like, I'm happy to have like three that are close and good and healthy, like, like this would just be crazy. But within this, you're going out every year making one at a time. But this model, this faithful discipler, after year 13, the entire known world could be reached. Thank you, Jesus. He knew what he was doing. So when I say you are his plan A, I am not blowing smoke. I am not trying to puff you up. And I'm not telling you it's because of who you are. It's because of Holy Spirit in you. That's what it's about. It's not about your gifting. We disqualify ourselves so often based off of us, like our senses. We're like the Israelites. We can get so sensual, right? We have faith in what we see here, taste, touch, smell. Like, and when we hear that, God has called us to make disciples, and we say, I don't know, God, do you see? Like, you see who I am? You know my thoughts. You know my insecurity. You know and, and in every single way, right? Well, I'm in every single way, right? Well, I'm not naturally gifted in blank. Maybe I'm average at that. Well, guess what? God can bring you up out of it. God can grow you. God can strengthen you, right? That's what he does. He didn't choose the cream of the crop for his disciples. Jesus gave his minutes and his hours to the masses, but he gave his days, months, and years to his disciples, right? And again, these men were not all-stars, right? This is one of the most encouraging parts of Scripture for me. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, is one of the common evangelism verses that you should have memorized on our heart. This is Peter and John. So these are the close-knit guys. They're in the inner circle with Jesus, right? 
Peter and John, guys, we want to emulate. We see what they did. We're like, wow, what amazing stories. Peter and John, what they did. They are preaching before the Sanhedrin, basically the supreme court of the church back in the day. Just, I'll say, very high stakes, right? These guys are sitting in their high with their PhDs and their track record and all of this, and Peter and John come in and basically tell them, you are the ones who crucified Jesus. And then they say in verse 12, by no other name by which we are saved other than Christ. Woo! Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go. Thank you, Lord. They're saying this to these guys after they're like, you're the one who killed him, and he's the only way you're saved. Yikes. Wow. Next verse. This is my favorite. It says that they were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, praise God, with no special training in the Scriptures, but they perceived also they had been with Jesus. Unlearned, ignorant, no training in the Scriptures. Does that sound that you resonate with you? What I love about this, this word, I forget. It's either unlearned or ignorant, one of the two. It's a Greek word that we use a word today that we've stolen exactly from it. It's transliterated. See if you can guess what word it is. It's transliterated I-D-I-O-T-E-S. Idiotes. Literally, idiots. Where we get our word for idiot. Is that encouraging? They looked at Peter and John. Preaching the gospel, right? You know those moments in your life where you're like, bro, read the room. Someone does or said something and you're like, are you aware of where we are right now? Like, I feel like that was the moment for them. Like, anyone else will look at Peter and John and be like, guys, like, chill out. Do you know, these guys can just say, guilty, kill them. Like, Sanhedrin, they had that authority. And they boldly up the, go up there and proclaim the gospel. And they look at them and they look at each other and they go, these guys are idiots. Isn't that amazing? Thank you, Jesus. Wow, these guys are idiots. But I just imagine in their, heart, in their minds and their hearts, they also were fearful. And they also were trembling. Because I think the Spirit of God was, was speaking through them. And they looked at each other and they said, man, these guys are idiots, but they, they speak like their master. They're talking like Jesus talked. And that's scary. Right? We got to hear him in person. We got to hear him, the names he called us. He got to hear people praising him and saying, oh, he spoke with authority, not like the teachers of religious law, those guys. Well, this man speaks with authority. They got to hear that very authority. Not from Jesus, but here in the flesh, in the spirit, better to say, through Peter and John. And what was their qualifier? They had been with Jesus. Praise God. Your qualifier is not that you're learned or, I guess, knowledgeable would be the opposite of ignorant. Fair? That's not your qualifier. That you're learned, that you're well-spoken, that you're eloquent. Your qualifier is that you've been with Jesus. (laughs) So have you been with Jesus? What God does in you, He wants to do through you. What has He done in you? What has He cured you? What has He healed you from? What has He brought you out of? Whatever it is, He wants to do it through you. Has He given you a love or a passion for something that's just, you know, a worldly thing that's not evil? You know, if He gave you a passion for drug dealing, then like, 
I, I would ask again and see if that really is from the Lord. Because I'm going to go on a limb and say that's not from God. <laughs> but you have a gift. Maybe you love there's a hobby or a gifting that you have. Like right then and there, make disciples. Do what Jesus did. Befriend those that are right there within reach. You don't have to cross the sea to see the cross, right? You go to who is next to you, who's there, and you commit your life to them like Jesus did with the 12. He gave minutes and hours to pretty much anyone who asked, right? You see him often going from appointment to appointment and getting interrupted, and he doesn't shun anybody away, right? In fact, one time when his disciples were trying to bring children to him, it says that he had disdain towards his disciples, disdain is like a, I'm not happy with you, and it's met with like a, right, it's met with like a grimace and a scowl, like, Jesus did that, Jesus got mad, and he got mad at his own disciples, because while he was teaching, they tried to bring children to him, and his disciples were like, no, 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 the Messiah is busy, and Jesus was angry at his disciples for that, how cool is that, right, so we should always make time for people, we always have time for people, But what he's called us to do is to make disciples, to choose a select few and to look at them and say, over my dead body, will you live a stupid and selfish life? That's what he's called us to do. This is the heartbeat of a disciple and a disciple maker. If you're encouraged by this and you're like, you know what? I could do that. The good news is five friends, five disciples, like in the example that might even sound like a lot. The good news is, if all the Christians in the world just chose one, we'd reach the known world in like a few years. Like, it's so cool. Like, it wouldn't take long. If we would just take one, because that compounding effect still two turns to four, turns to eight, turns to 16, 32, 64, 128, 256, right? If you know how that compounding works, like, it still works, you know? And this is what we've been called to give our entire life to. If we would be faithful to Jesus, do what he's doing, he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What I say to students often is if you're not making fishers of men, who are you following? Right? No matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how much Bible you've got memorized, maybe you've got a doctorate in theology or Maybe you're a pastor or maybe you're a missionary. Whatever it is that you're doing, Jesus said, if you follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. So if you're not fishing for men, who are we following? Does that make sense? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Man. We can do this. We can do this. So grateful. These missionaries, it's so fun watching those faces and knowing a lot of them personally and just having this same conversation with them, this is, this is at the heart of, man, especially in these unreached people group places where there is no known believers, where there's a 100% population that don't know Jesus. Man, this, this is the only way it's going to happen. Because in those countries, I love street preaching. I love going on campus and open proclamation. I enjoy it. It's fun. It stirs the pot. It gets people real uncomfortable. I love it. But if I go do that in the middle of Iraq, middle of Sri Lanka, like, it's a lot of places. If I go do that, uh, my ministry is going to be real short. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I will be on that prayer list the next Sunday because I'm going to be in prison or worse. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm all for open air evangelism. I love that. When I meet a charismatic person and they're on fire for Jesus, I'm like, let's go. Let's teach you how to make disciples. That's the first thing. I meet the introvert who's real shy and not confident about themselves. I say, all right, let's teach you to make disciples. That's where we start with everybody, right? Your giftings in music or maybe in speaking or whatever, First job, let's go make disciples. And when you're doing that, you'll be ready for whatever else God has for you. Whatever else he's called you, whatever ministry he's given you, whatever giftings he's given you, whatever he's done in you, he's going to do it through you. That's what he wants to do. That's why he made you uniquely. That's why we're knitted together and not just like pull a lever and we just all come out like a factory. Right? We're knitted together, intricately woven, because he's a father who loves you and cares about you and has knitted you together. You ever knit anything together? It's a painstaking process, right? That's what he's done for you, in you, that you would be just like him, and you would look at people and say, over my dead body, will you live a stupid and selfish life? Because that's what Jesus declared with the cross, right? Over my dead body, will you live a stupid, selfish life? And so if you're a Christian, you're walking with Jesus, I want you to ask him for faces, for names. Who in your life could you disciple? Who in your life would you commit your days, weeks, months, years to? Who would you stick to stubbornly and love them? Because love is stubborn, right? Love fights. You seen that in your life? You love somebody, you fight for them, we better. Because the devil's fighting for them too, right? We got to learn how to fight. And if you don't, love Jesus, you've never walked with him or know him, you can. Today. He is the free gift of eternal life. You don't have to clean yourself up to come to him, but you come to him and you follow him, he will deal with you. He will speak to you to repent for your sin, to give up the selfishness in your life, the sin that's in your life, because that's what's going to be in the way of you actually following after him. So if you know of sin in your life, selfishness, man, I'd love to pray with you. I'm sure these men, I'm sure lots of people would love to talk with you and pray with you about how to start this walk with Jesus because this life I just laid out for you, this is how it gets to be lived out. Enjoy with Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, washed in his blood, walking the way he walked, talking the way he talked. It's a blast. So fun. This is truly life and life abundantly, like he says in John. This is what we have offered to us. Lord, we love you. You are the best, King Jesus. You are the best. If I've said anything today that would go against your word or your spirit, would you blot it out of our minds and our hearts right now? Would you go back through and edit everything that I've said in our hearts and our minds? God, thank you that we are a part of your mission. God, that we, that we all get to make disciples. We don't have to make disciples. We get to make disciples. What a privilege to be your children. God, that we get to live the way you lived. What you've done in us, you want to do through us. Holy Spirit, I trust that you're convicting us right now, as you've promised in your word you would do, that you will convict us of sin. God, if there's sin in our life, selfishness in us, would you bring it to our minds that we would lay it at your feet? Because you've already paid for it, Jesus. Your blood's already paid for the sin of the world. 
God, if we have sin in our heart, we'll be laid at your feet. And also we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here to encourage us, that you're here to be close to us, to comfort us. Would you do just that? As we, as we get pictures and faces and names of people that you want us to go and make disciples of, would we have courage and would we have joy and freedom? Because that's what you've bought for us, King Jesus. The spirit you've given us is for, is for power, love, and self-discipline and a sound mind that you have saved us, King Jesus. We love you. We love you, Lord. Everybody said, Amen. Thank you, Jesus.